Hi, my name is Rhett Barden, and I'm the lead pastor of One Life Church, and I want to thank you for joining us today. At One Life Church, we exist to help you know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. For more information on how you can be a part, please visit us online at olc.church. Enjoy the message. Well, all right, good morning again. Who's excited to be in church today? Can I hear you if you are? It's so good to have you with us today. Just for those who may be just joining us online or have walked into the room, I want to introduce myself again. My name is Rhett. I have the honor and the privilege of being the lead pastor here at One Life Church, and it is the joy of my life to get to serve alongside you this incredible, beautiful Treasure Valley that we get to call home. How many of you are thankful that we get to call Idaho home, everybody? Amen. Hey, before we jump into the message, I want to do something we do every week, and that is I want to look into the camera, and I want to welcome our online church family. One Life Church in the room, throw your hands together. Welcome those who are joining us today. Let them know how much you love them. You are our family. We love you. We're sending you high fives today from the Civic Center. We cannot wait to see you soon. All right, you guys, we're closing out our series. We're calling Galatians. It's a verse-by-verse study, chapter-by-chapter study, and I cannot wait that we get into this message today. do want to remind you that we are a message note-taking church, so if you haven't already done so, go to olc.church. Swipe down. You'll see a button that says message notes. The notes are important. Not only does it give you the opportunity to follow along, fill in the blank, it actually puts the word of God and just some practical how-to advice of how to live in freedom every day throughout Monday through Saturday. And if the notes are helping you at all, can I get a good amen from all the note takers in the room? Amen. Well, we're really excited today because, man, it is an honor to introduce to you. We've got a special guest, and he's not really a guest. He's more of like a family member here to our church. Some of you have met him and his incredible wife and his incredible family throughout the months. Uh, we have a church planter in the house, everybody. And I want you to know he's a dear friend. Him, uh, Linda and I, we've grown to know them so much over the past year. We love the Hanky family. And I just want you to understand, um, anybody that feels called of God to move across the country, to plan a life-giving church in Idaho, I'm just telling you, they're my new best friends, okay? And so I just want you to know that uh, Pastor TJ and his wife and his incredible family, man, they, uh, they moved all the way from Sarasota, Florida. Does anybody know where Sarasota, Florida is? Anybody know where Tampa is? Then you know where Sarasota is. It's like an hour and a half from Disney World. Come on, you know? You know you've got to hear from God if you're moving away from Disney World all the way to the other side of the country. I'm just saying... But uh, no, Pastor TJ and his wife, man, they've, they've been pastors for several years and planted an amazing church in the Tampa area that's going on to reach, un- honestly, thousands of people. And uh, just over the past couple of years, been praying and God's been stirring on their heart. And, and so they've transitioned that church in such an amazing way and felt called of God to come up here and plant a church in Meridian, Idaho. And if you know anything about our church, I just want to tell you this. We are a church planting church. What does that mean? It means it's not all about One Life Church. Everything that we do as a church is about what I call the capital C church. What does that mean? It means every local life-giving church that is in this valley, we are for, we are connected with, we link arms with, and it's not a competition. Can I just tell you that? Heaven and hell are realities, and we need to do everything we can to reach more people for heaven. Why? Because there are not enough local life-giving churches in this valley to reach people for Jesus, and I'm telling you, they're moving across the country. They've already been here. They're here. They're at this home, and they are going to love people to Jesus, and we get to root them along and just come alongside. 
alongside them. And I cannot be more excited for you to hear from them today. And so all of that to say, my friends, can we just do something that we do at One Life, and that is honor people. Can you stand to your feet, throw your hands together, show some love for Pastor TJ, Hanky, and Refresh Church, everybody. Thank you, thank you. What is up, One Life? Man, I am, I'm jacked. You know what I'm saying? Like, I am ready to rock and roll because your pastor is an amazing pastor. He is, he's just, I mean, geez. You know, you know how you like people because they're the same brand of crazy that you are? You know, he's my brand of crazy. He's my brand of like move across the country and start a church kind of crazy. And Linda, God bless you for putting up with guys like us. You know what I'm saying? But I, I, he's a genuine person. It's not about egos, not about logos. He loves God, loves the kingdom. He loves his people of his church. You guys, you're blessed to have a pastor who loves you so very, very much. Uh, as he said, I'm not here alone. I'm here. I got my family, my wife and two of my daughters are right here on the front row. And some extended family from Washington State came down. Uh, that's pretty cool. Um, and then I've got launch team members here with us as well, uh, helping us start the church. I'm like super excited that we get to start a church in God's country. Come on, somebody. Amen. Amen. Right? Uh, so here's the deal. Today, what we're going to do is we're going to wrap up the series in Galatians. Chapter 6, we've been doing it for six weeks now, and Pastor Russ done a great job uh, leading us through this. And I, I don't think chapter 6 is the ending point of the series, though. It's the sending point of the series. Yeah, that's really good. Man. You know what I'm saying? Like, like yeah. it's not done. It's, 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 a, it's live, live it out now. And that's what we're going to do in chapter six. We're going we're gonna to learn about living it out. Well, how many of you guys have a, ever had a plan for your life? You're like, like I'm going I'm I'm to I'm go get this job. I'm, I'm going to get married or I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay single or I'm going to get a house or drive this car or do this activity. You got a plan, right? Like I've, I've had a plan. When I was younger, I wanted to be a naval architect. You guys like, what? what? <laughs> Not a lot of woos on that one. You know, it's like, woo, yeah. It's a person that designs boats. That's what I wanted to do. Growing up in Florida, around the water, you know, that's what I wanted to do. But, but my plan was kind of empty feeling. You know, I, I, have you ever gone through the point where you, you got that job, you went to that place, you bought that house, and in the beginning, it was like, <laughs> I can't believe I live here, can't believe I drive that, can't believe I get to do these things. But eventually you go, but it just didn't fill me up, Right? What's missing? You have a plan, but it feels empty. You have a structure, but it's not filled with anything. Well, today, what we want to do in Galatians chapter 6 is we want to fill it up. We're going to fill the plan with purpose. Because when you fill the plan with purpose, it begins to mean something. It begins to have understanding of, oh, it's not just about what I get, but what I do. It's not about just the things that I accomplish. It's the impact I make with my life. And Galatians 6 is going to take us to this journey. So you may have a plan, but do you have a purpose in it? And that's what Paul's talking about in this last bit of Galatians. So to set us up, let's go to chapter 5. We're going to read that uh, passage of Scripture really, really quickly. Galatians 5, 13 and 14. You, my brothers, were called to be free. Amen and amen, right? But... Don't use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. You are set free. 
Why would you keep living for yourself when you are set free by the king of kings, right? Like there is a life that he has planned for you. You don't need to live for yourself anymore because he's already taken care of all the self inside of you. He's already got you, right? And then, then he says this, the entire law is summed up in a single command. Let's, let's hit a timeout right there for a minute. When you're in school, did you ever read the Cliff Notes versions of books? It's like a shortened version of the book. Like it's just enough information to pass the test. You're not going to get an A, but you're going to pass, right? Like, like Paul's like, I'm going to give you the cliff notes of all of the Old Testament law. He goes, you, got, you ready for this? Here's the shortest version of how to fulfill the law of the Old Testament. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's it. And isn't it interesting how Paul's not like, make sure you're thinking right, make sure you're living on the inside right, make sure your ambitions and your ego are in place. He goes, no, 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 no. If you're living for them, you're fulfilling the law. Yeah. Come on, man. There's an external part of the way we live our life. And so often we're like, but what about me? What about what I feel? What about what I think? What about my ambitions? What about my calling? My thing, my thing, my thing, my thing. And, and Paul goes, those things, you, you, have, you got the internal world down. We've been thinking about ourselves for years. You know what I'm saying? He goes, but if you want to fulfill the law, you got to start thinking about somebody else. You got to get outside of it. That's so interesting, isn't it? That if you're going to fulfill the law of God, it's not even thinking about you as number one. You got to love your neighbor as yourself. And so that, with that mindset, we move into chapter six, and he begins to teach us kind of the next phase down the road of this, okay? So Galatians chapter six, verse two, the very beginning of this chapter, he says, share each other's burdens, and in this way, obey the law of Christ. So if he, he says, if you're going to obey the law, the Old Testament, because at this time, they didn't have the New Testament, He's writing the New Testament, right? Like he's just, there, there is no, there's no other laws except for the Old Testament. He goes, if you want to obey all the Old Testament law, you love your neighbor as yourself. But there's this other law, the law of Christ, the one that, the one that Jesus gives, the one that he calls you to live and act. He goes, if you're going to fulfill that, you can't just love someone else. You got to actually bear their burdens. I don't know about you. I'd rather love someone from a distance than bear their burdens, right? Like, like I, can, I can love the back row of this room from way over here, but I can't help you carry anything, can I? Right? We, this, is, this is Galatians chapter six. We're not ending the series. He's sending us out in this chapter. He's preparing us to live a life and to have a world outside of our world. We have a plan, but do we have a purpose? And he says, if you have a plan you're going to need this purpose. Love your neighbor as yourself. You're going to need to start with love. And then we're going to bear one another's burdens. We're going, to, we're going to carry the weight of others alongside of us. When we start living with this purpose, our life becomes more fulfilled. He doesn't end there. He actually goes in Galatians chapter 6, verse 10. He says this, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people. Do you have opportunity to do good? Yeah. Do you have opportunity to do good to all people? Yeah. But what kind of gets me on this verse is when he goes, all people. Because I want to be good to people who are good to me. You ever feel that way? Well, my wife's nice to me. I'll be nice to her. 
My, my kids, they're nice to me sometimes. I'll be nice to them, right? But that guy down the street, oh my goodness, he blows those leaves on my lawn every <laughs> fall. Ooh, Lord, help him, right? Like, no, no, no. If you have opportunity, do it to all people. There is this mandate of scripture to go out beyond our own walls and to live with purpose and to fill our lives with that. And when we do, when we live with that purpose, we actually begin to live the life that God designed for us. There's more joy in that. There's more peace in that. You get to wake up in the morning going, God, man, I'm so excited to be here today. Not, oh, Lord, what does that day have for me, right? You lay your head down at night going, God, thank you for this life instead of, oh, my goodness, how am I going to make it through tomorrow? There's just a different mentality when you live with purpose. It energizes, it excites, it creates something new inside of you other than just, oh, man, I'm surviving this life. God didn't design you just to survive. He designed you to thrive. And if you're going to thrive, you're going to need purpose in your life. That's how we're called to live. So again, this chapter isn't about ending the series, but it's about sending us out. So how do we put this into action? I got three really practical things we're going to do today, and then we'll pray at the end, wrap this up, all right? So three things, taking notes, go to olc.church if you want to fill them in digitally, or you can write them on your phone, or if you actually have a piece of paper. Congratulations. Man, you're like a, a unicorn. Okay, let's do this. Number one, I got to identify my sphere of influence. God has given you a world to live in. He's given you this influential circle. And, and so many times we're like, oh my gosh, God, how am I going to change the world? People keep saying I can change the world. How am I going to change the world? Listen, you don't change the world, you change your world. That's your sphere, right? So there's this sphere of influence that you have. Did you know even the most introverted person will encounter about 10,000 people over the course of their life? I'm an introvert. I'm, I'm an introvert. You may not believe me because I'm up here, but I really am. It's taken me years and years and years and years to get comfortable speaking in front of a group of people. But I'm an introverted person. And even the most introverted people will impact about 10,000 people over the course of their life. You have a sphere of influence, a, a, a responsibility that God has given you, a territory, an assignment that he's given you. Look what it says. Uh, Paul says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. He says, but we will not boast beyond limits. There's limits to the calling. There's limits to the territory, but we'll boast only with regard to the area of influence God assigned to us. Paul is living on assignment. You have an assignment. There is a world that he's put you in so that you can begin to reach people in your world, right? There, there's, there's people around you that, that you were made to create, and you're going, TJ, the people around me are driving me nuts. The people around me are a little crazy. Guess what? God trusts you so much to give you the crazy ones, right? He's given you so much talent. He's going, that's going to be a difficult one. You got him, right? Like he has put you in that place for a purpose, right? So here, here's something that's not on your notes. Three, three things when you're trying to identify your sphere. First one is your people. What people are around you? So many times we're like, oh my gosh, I'm an introvert. I got to go. I don't know if I can make a relationship with someone and impact them for Jesus. And you, you kind of like hyperventilate just even thinking about leaving your house, right? You're like, I don't know if I could talk to a person I don't know. I don't know about that, right? Some people can relate to that. Well, good, good news, good news. There's people you already know. You don't need to make new ones. The people you have have enough problems that you can bear their burdens already. Right? 
right? Right? Am, am I true? Right? You already have a relationship. The people you're related to right now need their burdens to be bore by you. God put them in your life for a reason. There are friends right next to you all times. There's people in your life that God has put there for a reason. It is your assignment. It is your territory. These are your people. You can go find new ones if you want to. That's fine. That's good. Some of you extroverts are like, whoo, show me the people. I'm ready to go, right? I have kids like that. I'm not that kind of person, right? Some of us, though, we just need to take the relationships we have and make an impact right there. The second thing we need to think about is our place. What's our place? Everybody has a third place. Uh, you have the first place is usually your home. Uh, second place, we're going to call that the church because I want that to be where you go a lot. You know what I'm saying? Small group, church. But then you have this other place that you go. For some of us, work. For some of us, uh, maybe you're retired. You play a lot of golf. It's a golf course. Uh, for some of us, it, we're a teacher. We've got our school. Some of us are students. We've got friends at school, right? Like all of us have a place that God has placed us. And that is our assignment. That is our territory. That is the world that God has placed us in so that we can bear the burdens of others. So identify your place and the people that were, are within that place, your coworkers, your students, the people at your lunch table at school, the people that, are, that you got assigned with on the golf course and that foursome. Like, like just these are your people. And then the third thing is your passion. All of us are passionate about something. Some of us, it's Bronco football. Some of us, it's, it's making little bugs that we chase fish with, right? That's me. I, I like fishing. That's me. Some of us, we just want to get lost in the woods. Some of us, like, we want to be in the comfort of home and we want to make some food, right? Like, like, we just all have different things. And what I love about One Life Church is that this church doesn't tell you you need to stop your passion so that you can do something for Jesus. They tell you, take your passion and use it for Jesus. Amen. Like, what are you passionate about? This is your sphere of influence. You have a talent, a gifting, a purpose involving whatever that passion is. God didn't gift you that just so that you could let it sit and not be used in the kingdom. He give, gave it to you so that you could use it for the kingdom. So all of us have this territory that he's given us, this passion, this place, these people. Let's do something with it. Amen? Amen. Amen. Like Paul said, this is my assignment. Help yourself discover your assignment, okay? Uh, number two, get, getting real practical again, meet them in their place of need. Meet them in their place of need. It's not, again, it's not about the internal, oh, I gotta check my pride or my ego. If we're gonna fulfill the law of God, there are some things we need to do beyond ourselves. There's, there's a next step in this. And so we need to meet them where they are. Remember, Galatians chapter 2, the verse that we read towards the beginning, it says, share each other's burdens. And sharing each other's burdens requires proximity. It requires closeness. It requires knowledge. You can't long distance a burden. You know what I'm saying? Like you, if they're carrying something heavy, you got to grab on. You got you to get there. You know what I'm saying? I love, I love how Jesus talks about this in Matthew 25. Jesus is telling uh, the, a, a group of people this story about what happens after we die, what happens after this life. And he says, there's going to be two groups of people, one on the left, one on the right. And one of them is 
people that have not said, yes, Jesus, you're my Lord, and the other half is. And to the half that is said, said, yes, Jesus, you're the Lord of my life, he says this, check it out, Matthew chapter 25. Then the king said to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance. This, this is the people that followed Jesus. The kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you took, looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? Jesus, when were, when were you begging for bread? I don't remember seeing you in your like purple sash and your white robe on the silent road. Nail, nail marks. In your, I, don't, I don't remember seeing that, Jesus. What, what, or needing clothes and clothes you. Jesus, I, I, thought, I thought you were already clothed. I thought like heavenly robes, right? When, when did we see you sick or in prison? Jesus, you went to prison? Jesus, I, I didn't think you would go to prison. Jesus, you're a good guy. Why would you go to prison? And the king will, will reply, I tell you the truth. Whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. Come on. The way we look at the world changes when we start to live according to verses like this. When I was younger, I always used to ask, God, what do you need me for? Like, you're, you're all powerful. You're all knowing. You're like, like what, what can I do to give you anything with my life? And as I got into my 20s and I was serving in ministry, I, I began to realize that if I'm going to love God, I got to love what he loves. Like, when you love someone, you love what they love. Amen? Like, my wife loves coffee. I do not love coffee. But because my wife loves coffee, guess what I do? I love coffee. I spend money on it. I buy all the little machines and the little frothy things. And, and then every once in a while, I'll sit down with a cup of fancy coffee with her. And I'll sip it. And I get that bitter look on my face like, baby, I love you so much. You know, it's just, why? Why do I do that? I love what she loves because I love her. What does God love? People. If you are going to follow God, you're going to serve God. You want to give something to God? Love what he loves. So, so, so here, here's what I do. If I'm going to serve God, I got to serve people. I serve God by serving people. And in this passage, Jesus says, when at the end of the life, your life, you're going you're gonna to realize that all those people that you served, you're actually serving in him. He put them there. That was your assignment. When I was younger, I, um, I, I kind of struggled in middle school, high school, just with identity. I grew up in kind of brokenness, so a lot of drugs and alcohol around uh, my life. Just, just kind of felt lost, didn't have a lot of people looking out for me. You know what I'm saying? And I showed up to church as a, a middle schooler and then into high school. And there's this guy named Jerry there. He was the youth pastor. It didn't matter if there was three people in the room or 30 people in the room. He, he found me, and he was, he was the kind of person that, like, some people just give you a hug, and some people you, like, get mauled by a bear. You know, like, like Jerry's the bear, right? He just is, oh, he just engulfs you. He is a really big guy, by the way. Like, just, just boom. Just, and, and Jerry was there for me. 
When, when, when I walked into that church and that youth ministry, I didn't, I didn't have a lot of things going for me. I was lost. I was broken. I was hurting. I didn't know what my future held. I, I was just, just a bunch of different junk in my life. But Jerry, every time I saw him, he walked me through the mountains and he walked me through the valleys. And when I had an issue, he would walk the backfield of that church and he would talk to me. And he just, he just piece after piece when I was feeling lonely or broken. And he developed in me some leadership skills. And I started to lead in the youth ministry and take kids on missions trips. And, and just he just walked me through the journey. And I think one day, one day Jerry's going to go to heaven He's going to stand before the king. The king's going to go, man, when I was really lost and broken, you helped me. And, and when, when, when I was uh, struggling with life and identity and I had all kinds of crisis and I was broken, you walked with me and you journeyed with me and you carried me through the valleys and you helped me on the mountaintops and you helped me make sense of this life. And Jerry's going to go, God, I don't remember doing any of that for you. You, you God, you were supposed to have it all together. I was following you. And he's going to go, no, no, no. When that kid, TJ, walked into your youth group all those years ago and you invested all all that time in him, you were doing it for me. So when I was broken and I was lost, he was serving God by serving me. And now I want to do the same thing. And I believe that one life is the kind of church that people can find a Jerry and they can be a Jerry. That people can walk in broken and they can find someone who helps them walk through the journey and the process of healing and relationship with Jesus. Amen. This is the place, right? And one day when you stand before the throne of God, he's going to go, remember that time? Tears in your eyes, right? We need to bear one another's burdens. It's the calling of God. Uh, number three, three, third thing we're going to do, if we're going to get really practical about this, is we need to point them to Jesus and his church. Point them to Jesus and his church. Because we can bear one another's burdens, but we can't take them. Like, we, we can help someone on the journey. We can't fix their journey. Only Jesus can do that, right? So if we're, we're walking alongside people, we need to point them to him. Jerry never tried to fix me. He tried to introduce me to the one who does the fixing. Right? And, and Jesus did the fixing, but he used Jerry in the process. So in your life, and there's people struggling, there's people hurting, Point them towards the fixer, the one that carries burdens. Jesus says it like this in Matthew chapter 11. And I, I love this passage of scripture. Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Come to me when you've been weighed down by shame Come to me when condemnation is rested upon you, when uncertainty, when you don't feel like you're worth anything and sin has encapsulated you. You just feel like you're broken and you're never going to get out. He goes, come to me and I'm going to take that burden off of you. I'm going to give you rest. The weight is coming off of your shoulders. You're living like there's new fresh air in your lungs. You're just walking lighter than air, right? Said, Let me take that off of you. And then he continues. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. 
How deep is the kind of rest that goes all the way to your soul? It's not just about sleeping on a comfortable mattress. There is a soul rest. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The group of people Jesus is talking to, they would understand that when he says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, that he was referring to oxen, that, that there is a certain way of training up an oxen that was young and inexperienced. You would put a yoke on them with someone who is, well, it's not someone, something, an oxen that was very experienced. And I don't know anything about oxen. I had to learn this. Maybe you know something about oxen because we are in Idaho, so you might, you might have some livestock in your yard. I don't know. I, you might do that. But I didn't know anything. So when I was reading this and I was learning about this, it was, it was mind-blowing. Jesus is saying, I'm going to get rid of the, the brokenness and the shame and the hurt and the sin out of your life. I'm going to unburden you and give you the kind of rest in your soul that can't be found anywhere else. And then I'm going to give you a new burden. I'm going to give you a burden that I'll walk right alongside you. And it's not a burden of heaviness. It's a burden of joy. It's a burden of love. It's a burden of calling and purpose. And if you're going to get out of the kind of plan in life that ends up leaving you feeling empty, we're going to have to take his yoke, his burden. He unburdens us, but then he reburdens us. And some of us in this room, we've been unburdened, but we've not been reburdened, right? We need to find a burden in the calling of God. And when we get that yoke upon us, there's new rest, rest that's so deep your soul is at rest. The kind that you wake up in the morning going, whoo, Lord, we are ready for today, right? You don't worry about the future because you know the one who holds the future. When you lay down at night, you're going, Lord, thank you for this life. I am so excited and thankful that I get to live it. Woo, I'm ready. That's the kind of life that he has for us. But that comes with a burden. That comes with purpose. The only way to really find that fulfillment is to get that burden, to get that love, to get that calling on your life. You need to ask God for it, right? We take the burden upon you. And it's not, it's not something that's exclusive. It's not reserved for a special group of people. You can't be too old for it, can't be too young for it, can't be too poor for it, can't be too wealthy for it. Like, it's just everybody has this ability. Everybody is open to this burden, right? Like everybody. Look at this in Psalm 92. But the godly will flourish like palm trees and grow like the cedars of Lebanon. They're just going to grow. There's going to be these amazing trees. They're going to just big, big, big people. For they are transplanted to the Lord's own house. At one time, you weren't in the Lord's house. But now that you are, buddy, it's going to be a growing season, right? They flourish in the courts of our God. Even in old age, they will still produce fruit. It, there is no expiration on your life. You don't, you don't have to worry about, do I have enough time left or I've not really even started my time? It's always there. God wants to bear fruit through your life. They will remain vital and green and they will declare the Lord is just. He is my rock. There is no evil in him. And I know that some person in this room right now is going, well, TJ, that sounds great for those people, but I don't know if I can do that. I don't know if I'm talented enough or got my act together enough or I have all these things together enough to actually bear fruit for God. Are you kidding me? You don't really even know me. And you're right. I don't, but God does. There's a pastor named Rick Warren, very well-known pastor. But what's not well-known about him and his uh, wife is they, have a, they had a son who struggled with mental health his whole life. 
There'd be seasons of highs, seasons of lows, seasons of success and seasons of brokenness. And in through that struggle, he actually at one point took his own life and the parents were devastated. Rick and Kay weren't just absolutely devastated at the loss of their son. And at the memorial service, thousands upon thousands of people are there because they love Rick and they love Kay and they wanted to support them. And person after person came to the front and said, when your son, he wasn't doing great, but I wasn't either, and I met him, and he helped me in my brokenness. And, and when I was struggling in this addiction, he was there for me, and he helped me journey. And, and, and when I was in this life situation or this brokenness, and even though he didn't have it all together himself, it was because of him that I made it through, because of him. And Rick says this, in that moment, the weight of sadness and sorrow begin to lift off of his life. And he came to the realization, even broken trees can bear fruit. I'm a broken person. How about you? But God still wants to bear fruit through my life. He wants to bear fruit through your life. And it doesn't matter how broken you are, God can use anyone to do anything, even an introverted kid who grew up broken. He will move him to the middle of the Treasure Valley, and he'll put him in a church, not knowing anybody. He'll use you, right? You just got to be willing to be used by him. One more, one more verse for you to wrap up our Galatians. Chapter 6, verses 8 and 9. The one who sows to please his sinful nature, from that nature will reap destruction. The one who sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. He's saying to the Galatians, there's things you could invest your life in. They're not going to pay you back. But there's this other side. Don't grow weary in investing in the good and the spiritual side and, and the things that God has for your life over here. You can do it. Invest over here. There's eternal consequences. There's an eternal return on investment on this side. This side over here, well, you kind of get what you pay for. Over here, God's going to do infinitely more through your life. And it, and it makes us think there's good and there's bad. But here's what I don't want you to think. I'm good and not bad. Therefore, my future is done. I'm, I'm like, God's got me. I'm, I'm going to heaven because I'm a good person. But that's not how it works. I'm a good person because I'm forgiven. I, I don't get into heaven by being good. I get into heaven by being forgiven. And I'm not trying to be good enough to be forgiven. I'm forgiven so that I can be good. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, I don't need to work out of my own strength and my own goodness. I'm working out of the goodness of God. My own goodness isn't very good. The other day, my daughter and I were driving around, and I had all four kids, and Leah was doing something, and, and, and we were just driving. And you know how car conversations go with your kids? They just kind of bring up, like, the deepest subject, like, boom, right there, drop it on you. You're like, I can't even read my Bible. I can't even Google this, right? So true. Oh, man. And she's like, thinking about good and evil. She's like, I think we should cut the earth in half, like divide it in half. And let's put all the good people on one side and all the bad people on the other side. I said, well, that's a, <laughs> that's a plan. I mean, the good people will like it. The bad people, they won't like it. 
And I said, well, how good do you have to be to be on the good side? Because is anyone 100% good? No. So how good is good enough to get on the good side? You, you, know, you know what I'm saying? I'm just, trying to, I'm just trying to challenge her thinking, you know? She, her, you can see the gears turning, you know, just twisting. And she, she goes, 80% good. <laughs> all right, all right. I said, are you 80% good? Yes. So you'd be on the good side. Yes, I would. I'd be on the good side. Nobody wants to divide it from good and bad if you're on the bad side, right? Like <laughs> the good people are like, I've, of course I'm on the good side. And I said, but if every single person, if they're only 80% good, they're still 20% bad. There's no perfection. There's no 100% good. So I asked, well, who's the person who lived the perfect life? The 100% good. And of course, pastor's kids, they're like, Jesus, right? Like just, it's just Jesus answered everything when you're a pastor's kid. They're just Jesus, right? I said, that's right. And you know why he died on the cross? It's so that he could take our 20% bad or our 40% bad or our 100% bad, whatever amount of bad we got, he's gonna nail it to the cross and he's gonna give us his 100% good. That's how it works. Yeah. And so the question is, not am I good or bad, am I forgiven or not? And when I'm forgiven, God empowers me to do all the things we talked about today. But when I'm not forgiven, I'm living that other side of the life, the other side that is unfulfilled, the other side that is struggling and carrying the weight of sin. I'll be good when I'm forgiven. You know what I'm saying? And I might not ever be perfect until I spend, get face to face with Jesus in eternity, but I know I'm gonna make it there because I've got his righteousness, not my own. His 100%, not mine. So here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna take a moment, we're gonna pray. We're gonna reflect on what God is saying and just take a moment to let God speak to your heart. Is that okay? And, and the two prayers we're gonna pray, one is God, I wanna get better. I wanna, I wanna, the calling of Galatians chapter six, I wanna live that out. And then the other part of that prayer is some of us in here, I just messed up your whole plan on getting into heaven, right? I was, I was, I was just gonna be good. And God was gonna go, cool, you're in, right? But for some, we just got challenged. Like, wait a minute, it's not just about good, but it's about forgiveness. And that's the prayer we're gonna pray. And it's a simple prayer. It says, God, forgive me. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to work for it. He already did it. You just have to accept it. So let's close our eyes, bow our heads in this moment. And I know a lot of people in this room today, we're, gonna, we're taking Galatians chapter six, not as an ending to the series, but ascending in this series. And God's gonna use you. But for some of us, something clicked. It wasn't about just how good I am, but how forgiven I am. And if that's you today, you say, you know what, TJ, I today am going to make that decision. I want you to let me know. I'm not gonna ask you to come to the front. I'm not gonna ask you to stand up where you are. I just want you to quick wave at me. Let me see your eyes because I wanna be praying for you. If that's you, just, you can do that now. Raise your hand. Quick wave. Thank you. Thank you. God's working. He's doing something. So here's what we're gonna pray. Simple prayer that says, God, I give you everything I am. Would you help me live out this life the way you've called me to? So quietly, right where you are, pray this. Jesus, I thank you. I thank you for the cross that brought forgiveness to me. I thank you for grace 
that met me when I was at my worst. When I had no good, you gave me 100%. And today, I receive that forgiveness. Make me new. And as I live this life forgiven, I pray that the good I do would be for you. That I would see the world changed because of the assignment and the calling and the purpose that you've given me. Remind me to live this out. In your name we pray. Everybody says it together. Amen. Come on, let's put our hands together for the people that just prayed that prayer.